Welcome to Rose Tinted Black and White TV, the review show, which we are recording on Wednesday, September the 28th, 2022. And we have a lot of episodes to catch up on because Dave has been away doing his International Man of Mystery. And the strange thing is whenever he leaves the country, an extreme right-wing government appears to take charge. Uh, in the very country I was, I was in. Um, the two events are unconnected. That's what I've been told to say. They were just waiting for you to leave, so the coast was clear. Yeah, I did miss Election Day um, and an earthquake, in fact, um, only by, by a matter of days. But you were ransacked by Mother Nature, weren't you? Uh, yeah. I arrived there, flew from Manchester when I got to Pescara. Um, my brother Kieran picked me up at the airport and it was, it was a lovely hot day and I was there about 11 o'clock in the morning. So we were able to then drive back up to um, a feeder, sit down, have a lovely lunch at the cantina, which was uh, Molto uh, um, Va Bene. It was very, very enjoyable. Much fun. It was a lovely warm day. I was walking around with just a shirt on. Uh, and then in the evening, um, and I was all Tommy tired from my travels, um, the storms came. Now, thankfully, where we were, it was just a really violent storm during the night. There's lots of thunder, lightning, very heavy rain, driving winds. Um, I thought the terrace furniture was going to come into the room to me um, through the window. And despite all that, I mean, we were quite lucky. It was it was a little bit further north of us near Ancona. Um, where it was really bad, where, um, you know, unfortunately, people and cars were swept away um, by the savagery of um, the water. They had about, I think it was about 16 inches of, of rain in about two hours. I said something like 11 people died, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, very, very, yeah. Um, and then one of the other days when we were having um, a lovely aperitivo, um, sat outside in San Benedetto del Toronto, um, there was just this eerie calm and then we noticed people sort of running and getting up um and it it really was just this unprecedented wind came out of no it really was time to yell like auntie m auntie m you know get inside there was a little old little old italian lady on a bike i thought she was just going to get blown away and we'd see her later in the sky like Margaret Hamilton. But yeah, it just came out of nowhere. So on the drive back, it was like a game of Frogger, just just dodging trees and anything else that had been thrown or blown into the road. Blimey. I think you need another holiday. Right, I think we'll, we'll crack on because we have five, yes, count them, five episodes of the Black and White Saints, uh, which has been unspooling, as Dave uh, insists on saying on talking pictures television and uh i know we gave it a big build-up about corruption and you can't fight city hall well it turns out you can um because this is the well-meaning mayor explain that dave all right the 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 well-meaning uh mayor is one of um the saints perhaps more parochial um, episode set in, um, in this case, it's a small seaside town called Seaton Dean, which I love that because it just sounds like an amalgam of uh, um, loads of different places. And in fact, the eagle-eyed amongst you may see some stock footage um, which shows the Grand Hotel at Scarborough, plus perhaps some more south coast um, places like Worthing as well. And the idea is 
um, the, the well-meaning mayor. There is a um, a well-meaning mayor who appears to always win local elections. Um, and there's a sole voice of dissent within the uh, council. And that is played by Norman Bird. Uh, and Norman Bird is the sole voice of dissent. Um, but his daughter is beginning to doubt um, even his, his sanity and always a bit worried about his drinking. Um, and the saint, one of those I'm passing through, uh, types of things, thinks that maybe there is something to this story. And then uh, he discovers that indeed there is, there is corruption, bungs and backhanders and overpayments um, and confronts the mayor. Um, and rather than sit down and have a discussion and review the evidence, um, they have a huge fight in the office in which loads of things get knocked over and uh, um, smashed and broken. Um, the only thing that doesn't happen is the mayor doesn't attempt to strangle the saint with his like chains of office. But then the, the mayor realises that, wait a minute, the, the sole voice of dissent, he's been right all along and we need to get to the bottom of this and I have an idea who it is. But then the big twist, spoiler alert, is it turns out the well-meaning mayor is exactly not that. He's he's as crooked as a dog's back leg. Um, he's been creating all this, um, all these bungs, all these backhanders, all these overpayments for a huge conference centre that is meant to be being built there. And then there's a very odd, spectacular fight on the top of the unfinished conference centre. It's all girders and everything like that looks like the fight from the end of um, spider-man 2 it's really weird as if like sandman is going to start fighting there um we should point out actually that the well-meaning mayor has murdered his sole dissenting voice yes he has yes yes but uh, but the there is leading up to it there's a certain amount of ambiguity as to think you know maybe the mayor is he isn't aware and maybe it is those other types the the, the accountants and what have you who have got it wrong. I mean, that's partly because that is very nicely played by Leslie Sands, isn't it? Um, yeah, Leslie Sands, um, with a lovely Sunday dinner voice, plays the, the kind of like bluff northerner very well. Leslie Sands, we also must have to remember, uh, also a, a writer and playwright in his own his own right as well. Um, and several of his um, plays and, uh, and writings um, picked up, made into small films, some of which turn up on talking pictures television. Ah, what goes around comes around. So yeah, let's just let's mention Leslie Sands from Bradford. So um, a local collection to us. Eighty-eight credits, including six armchair theatres, six thirty-minute theatres, twelve episodes of Z Cars as a recurring detective superintendent. Uh, then he dropped down a few ranks for Clough, which was set in North Yorkshire. That's nineteen episodes as the gruff Sergeant Caleb Clough with his dog Clive. Now, I remember Clive because I was very small and I was obviously quite taken with the idea. And if I remember rightly, the opening titles were Leslie Sands stood on some Yorkshire hillside with his dog staring down at the small town as if he was some kind of benevolent god figure um, or shepherd overlooking his flock. Would you like to guess what his next role after the well-meaning mayor was? Oh, I don't know. Would it be another saint? It's the very last Avengers studio episode and farewell to Kathy Gale. And it's called Lobster Quadrille. And that's his lone Avengers point. But he was a stalwart of television and one of those people that once seen never forgotten 
Um, so, yes, the, the fight on top of the girders of the soon-to-be-built conference centre. Um, once again, the saint seems to have been extraordinarily cavalier with his own personal security. Uh, yes, he has trusted the well-meaning mayor to organise the local police um, to come along and to arrest the villain that he thinks will be there, not knowing that, of course, it's going to be the mayor. Although he does seem to hint that he knew that all along. As you've probably realised, the police won't be coming. So it's just you and me again. Nervous? Not a bit. Yes, there is that that worry is the fact that, well, wait a minute, where are the coppers? Where, where are they? And eventually, thankfully, the police do rock up, um, if only to shine spotlights on the two combatants um, at the tops of the girders. And also, I'm not too sure how this is going to hold up in court, but Simon Templar does seem to wring a confession out of the well-meaning mayor using, let's not to put too fine a point on it, a bit of torture. Now, are you ready to talk? You killed Hackett. No! No, I didn't! Sam, I want the truth. I let you drop. Please, Templar, don't! You killed Hackett. Yes, I did! I, I do think there's some legal precedent set here. I, I do feel that if you do have a fight with the mayor in the mayor's chambers, that there should be a name for that process. Yes. If you kill a monarch, it's regicide. So I think maybe there should be some kind of official legal word, a le you know, to, to describe that. Either in Latin or Norman French. Yes, because um, he does it twice. Don't forget, he does it twice. One, there's a draw, and the other one, Simon Templar won, that he didn't, in fact, become mayor of... Seton Dean. Yes, he could have been mayor of Seton Dean, but then that might have cramped his style a bit. The police arriving was a combination of the daughter of the deceased dissident, and it's a plus for local journalism. It actually does seem to capture, um, having come from a seaside town myself, it does capture quite well that that our idea of uh, um, small, feisty seaside towns who want to better themselves, hence the big conference centre. Um, what I do like about uh, the well-meaning mayor is it joins the group of saint episodes uh, in which not only does someone politely mention uh, the title of, of the piece, such as they do in The Wonderful War. Um, but in this case, it's actually the last line of dialogue of the episode, um, just like the well-meaning there. And I think there should be more of, of, of this, either in film or TV, such as the end of a boxing picture. Um, well done. Um, you're world heavyweight champion. Um, you're a husband, you're a father, and you're Rocky too. <laughs> so I think that could come um, at the end, or asking at the station, Mr. Praro, what was your holiday like? Oh, it was murder on the Orient Express. Uh, so I think there should be congratulations given when it is the, the last line of dialogue is in fact the title of the piece. It rounds things off nicely, doesn't it? Mm. Let's have a quick trundle through the rest of the cast. Um, Mary Kenton, uh, 32 episodes of The Newcomers, Free Sergeant Corks, 13 episodes of The Sullivan Brothers, which was a legal series devised by Ted Willis, creator of Dixon Dot Green and Sergeant Cork, and ran for 26 episodes. Uh, they're called Sullivan, they're brothers, they're lawyers. That's about all I know about it. It's another we can make up. I think so. I, I, as I can tell, there are no episodes left to gainsay us. For Mandy Miller, who played Molly Hackett, 
the daughter of the deceased dissident. Uh, this was her last screen appearance after a long career as a child-slash-teenage star. But in the same year as this saint, she was in The Avengers and The Third Man. So that's not a bad good. farewell yeah. to her, is it? Norman Bird, TV stalwart, who also appeared on the big screen, pretty much every ITC show, including four saints and one invaluable Avengers point. Noel Trevathan, who's originally from New Zealand, uh, quite a few things on British TV, including... Two Saints, uh, before relocating to Australia, where he was in 135 episodes of Motel. No idea what that was about. No. 39 of the Rovers, which involved a lot of sailing. Not dogs? No, apparently not. Nor Blackburn. <laughs> oh. Robert Sansom, one point, uh, and a long career playing magistrates, doctors, coroners, and at least two bank managers. We'll be talking elsewhere about tropes in The Saint. One that I haven't included is that uh, the occasional inquest. There's uh, two or three in uh, The Saint series. The other week, um, with the obviously with the fire episode, where there was a real gobby individual, wasn't there, uh, at the um, at the inquest? And it, it, I felt that maybe the inquest in the well-meaning mayor needed a similar character to ask loads of awkward questions because um, the dissident uh, or the dissenter whose, whose car had plunged off a cliff and oddly enough, I think the whiskey bottle that was planted as evidence hadn't smashed. There's no one there to to, to question um, some of those decisions. Things were glossed over in those days because anyone who's watched a Miss Marple or a Poirot will know that inquests never seem to uh, resolve the main questions yeah, or, and or, all you have to do is, um, if you do get asked an awkward question, just dab a handkerchief to your face and the coroner will normally, like, cave and just go, oh, I, I, I do realise this is an incredibly insensitive question, therefore I withdraw it. And he's going, wait a minute, what kind of a manners-based legal system? Not exactly inquisitorial, is it? No. John Gill, one point and a long career in nearly everything, and the episode was written by Robert Banks Stewart. Look him up on IMDb, people, because he wrote for nearly everything and created <laughs> Shoestring and Bergerac. Yay! So he's responsible for John Nettles. <laughs> and, and maybe Trevor Eve as well. We don't know. Uh, yes. Right. The next episode is The Sporting Chance, I believe. Yes. Now, uh, thankfully... Um, we're abroad um, for this one, or at least um, there's more location footage um, and more regional accents um, because um, it's one of the ones in which uh, the saint returns to Canada. Uh, uh, in more specifically, Manitou Lake in Ontario. Uh, and he arrives up and there's all kinds of hijinks going on in the, uh, like the Lakeland Lodge. Uh, which he uh, joins in and throws himself into. And to begin with, we're just saying maybe this is just an episode of the saint being on holiday. But no, thankfully, um, there is a mysterious scientist. Um, there's a sinister lumber merchant. Um, and double value for money, there's Darren Nesbitt in a roll-neck sweater. The thing about Darren Nesbitt and... Uh, still going as of 2020. Still going um, and, um, you know, uh, um, received some of the best reviews of his career uh, recently for, for the film Took. 
received several award nominations um, for that, in which he plays um, an aging drag queen who has a terminal cancer diagnosis. Uh, and apparently he is meant to be at the top of his game. One thing I should point out, though, and this may scare some viewers off of a sensitive nature, um, he does do a nude scene. Right. Um, I noticed that guy has now sat down heavily. <laughs> yes, I can't remember how old he is, but I think he may well be late in his 70, 80s. Late 70s, early 80s, yeah. But apparently he's sensational in it. He's brilliant. Good to hear. What else has he been in? Various roles in Sir Lancelot, uh, William Tell, Danger Man, Doctor Who, Special Branch. He was in quite a lot. Uh, the Persuaders. Where um, Eagles he, Dare as the, as the really nasty Nazi. He sneered extremely well. In fact, he that was his kind of signature well thing, at, wasn't it? Um, yeah, he had very Teutonic lips. And he was in Return of the Saint twice as Inspector Lebec. Oh, um, yeah. is, is often confused by me with Dinsdale Landon or Denham Elliott. Oh, right. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. It's to do with the alphabetical cataloguing. <laughs> yeah, it's the D's. That's what it is. Basically, this scientist is trying to get his wife and daughter out of, I think it's East Germany. Yes. Uh, and some people have approached him to say bad things will happen to them unless you come back to our side of the Iron Curtain. Please come up to this lake and pretend to do some fishing where simon templar who likes a bit of fishing yeah he does uh, he just and his fishing always gets interrupted he'd be the last person to do like an episode of mortimer and white uh, um white house go fishing because he'd be there he'd be talking about catching a bream um and then like i don't know a dinghy load of spies would turn up and he'd have to deal with them i mean they'd never get anything to eat would they <laughs> oh Sadly, one of those regular occurrences, one of Simon Templar's old friends, this time a Mountie, turns up and is stabbed. And then the knife appears in Simon Templar's pocket. Oh, and but, his best friend played by Bruce Bower, one of those we were talking about the other week, one of those either Canadian, usually Canadian, um, or American actors who had kind of set up shop in, in the UK to huge popularity and acclaim. And in fact, he's not the only Canadian, but you have to go through an awful lot of characters before you get to Bruce Bower, who is <laughs> genuinely Canadian. And uh, there are three Canadians. There's Bruce Bower, who was in lots of uh, ITC stuff, seven episodes of The Troubleshooters, uh, and they're needing line twice. Nicholas Stewart, another Canadian, uh, on his second of Three Saints, and William Buck, Canadian, with one point, uh, and a Sergeant Cork and played a hopeful hotel clerk in Another Saint. Um, so that's that's the real Canadians. <laughs> the Saint then manages to fly right across Canada to the environs of Vancouver or whatever it is, goes to uh, a timber merchant that he's tracked down and meets a young lady who is... I don't know, at this point, roughly in her mid-twenties, probably five foot six and blonde. People will know her better as Carol Cleveland from Monty Python. I'd forgotten she was in the Lotus Eaters, actually. Yeah, um, she, you know, forget she, I suppose, uh, you know, she, she has that reputation of legitimate theatre. Uh, you know, the idea of, wow, yeah, she was a um, serious actor, uh, you know, serious actress, not just being like the butt-end 
of of jokes from from a load of university types. No, no, eighty screen credits, uh, including one Avengers point, and she plays this secretary who the saint has to surprise at night because she's gone back to type up some notes and he has to clamp his hand over her mouth and tell her not to scream and she cooperates and is very easily persuaded that her boss is up to no good yeah absolutely buys into it no problems at all uh and next thing finds herself in a log cabin being threatened um by Darren Nesbitt with a gun yeah that's right there's everyone is trapped in that log cabin and the saint says the woods are full of mounties I think he's lying. The bad news is there isn't a cop within miles of this place. Oh, can we tell by his eyes? I don't know, viewers, listeners. I don't know. Uh, but yes, there are. And Darren, I must admit, Darren Nesbitt is, has fun with this role. Yes, he's properly sneery. He pretends to fall asleep and then wakes up when someone is trying to get take the gun off him. He is arrogant with nearly everybody. The saint does a wonderful piece of Sherlock Holmesian deduction. He works out that because he's not suntanned, he's obviously spent time on a submarine. Mm. And the plane that he flew is the sort of plane that you could assemble from a submarine and fly off and then take your kidnapped scientist with you. So that's the plan. They've managed to empty the fuel for the plane but the saint once again very cavalier with his personal security gets bonked on the head which is why he winds up handcuffed to a post in the log cabin which is fair it's a log cabin not a cellar this time yes it's completely different lovely bright airy um it's uh, a very natural environment indeed anyway what happens is there's a bit of fisticuffs bit of gunplay uh, the timber merchant, I think, gets shot yes. kind of by accident. Uh, and then Darren Nesbitt and the professor heading off in a canoe towards the plane. The saint and Carol Cleveland give chase. And the saint uses his angling casting skills to catch hold of Darren Nesbitt's crew neck sweater and pull him into the water. Uh, now, this is a lovely bit of plant and payoff because earlier in the episode, right near to, towards the beginning, when he does rock up at Manitou Lake, Ontario, uh, loads of people there, including some of his old oppos, betting that he can't throw a cast with his fishing lure. Uh, and apparently there's loads of drinks riding on it, but he does it. And at first, we just think it may be a nice little bit of bravado, uh, a nice little bit of, of macho interplay. But um, if you write anything, never waste anything. Uh, and it comes back into play towards the end. So it's, it's, a, it's a lovely plant and payoff. Indeed. So he rescues the scientist whose wife and daughter have been sprung over the Berlin Wall and they're going to live happily ever after. So. Um, and for those of you who have been playing St. Tropes Bingo, um, this episode does feature one of those terrible accidents that always seem to occur during a fight where uh, a saint stands in front of either a window, open or closed, uh, and the villain runs towards them. And he just steps out of the way. Um, yeah, it's not going to end well. And therefore the villain goes over, hits the tarmac and can no longer help the police with their inquiries. Yeah. 
Ouch. That was Brandon Brady. He's got one point in the studio days. He was South African born, but appears to be a playing a Canadian, uh, had a 30-year-long career, which included Robin Hood, Sergeant Cork, 11 episodes of Compact, Object Z, and Object Z Returns. Now, you're too young to remember those, aren't you? Object Z, is this a made-up series? Can I make it up? Is it something that goes into space and comes back again? Almost. Object Z, and once again, I was very young. I mean, I was basically nursemaided by the black-and-white television. Object (laughs) Z was a children's series where a scientist reports that there is a mysterious object, which we'll call Z for the sake of argument, which appears to be of alien origin and is approaching the Earth. And you spend six episodes getting terribly excited about it, and then it turns out that it's all a hoax. He's made it up. And you sort of think, oh, well, okay, he's probably going to get banged up in jail for a lot of years. But Object Z returns. It turns out there's a real Object Z heading towards the Earth of alien origin. Hey, wait a minute. Bluff and double bluff. I don't know what's going on anymore. It's certainly confused a very small child in, <laughs> in the home counties, I'll tell you that. I think they wind up actually creating a mini ice age by landing in the sea. So there's all sorts of things, probably a bit of the... It's the Crake and Wakes, I think, uh, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that like a very regional thing or is it just like last last an afternoon? I'm not sure. I can't really remember much about it, except that they emphasised the uh, depth of cold by the cast wearing anoraks. Oh, crikey. Always a good sign. Elsewhere, Brandon Brady was in uh, Vendetta, The Champions and Department S and ended up stateside. The next episode is the... Bunko artists. Bunko artists. Bunko such a great word. I don't not quite sure what the the origins of that um, are, but quite often if you read old police procedural books, um, you would say, "Yeah, I'm currently assigned to the Bunko Squad," uh, and you just go, "Wow, that sounds oh, what are you do? I'm with the Bunko Squad," um, and indeed. Um, it's the police that appear to be behind the Bunko squad in this because it starts off um, with a lovely little old lady in a, um, a lovely little old uh, English village um, being told um, by a visiting police inspector and the local Bobby, who she knows and trusts, uh, that the woman she's been dealing with is a Bunko artist um, and that the inspector is there to make her arrest. And the inspector explains how the lady was able to uh, swap the money. It's now just an envelope of worthless newspaper cuttings. Uh, the woman is arrested. The bunko artist is arrested. Great. Uh, and the police officer um, is, or the local police officer is just left behind to write out a receipt because obviously the money is needed as part of the chain of evidence. Uh, that should do it. When should I get my money back, Charlie? I'll bring it back myself within an hour. You know, Mrs. Yarmouth. I'll probably get promotion over this. Mr. Henderson knows all the top men at Scotland Yard. Well, just be careful of my money, that's all. Uh, Don't worry. You can trust me. But then it turns out, big reveal, that the police inspector, he's one of the bunko artists um, and is the partner of the female bunko artist. Not just the partner, they're man and wife, I believe. (sighs) Uh, the little old lady's uh, daughter 
um, calls in um, some help. And who should it be uh, but Mr. Simon Templer and explains that this money, which I think was going to be used to repair the church roof. Simon takes a bit of a personal affront um, to this and with a little bit of detective work, um, which uh, strangely enough, the, the regular police don't seem asked to do. He manages to track them down to the south of France um, and here he switches the tables on them um, uh, through an elaborate sting operation, which allows Rog a little bit of scope and scale in terms of acting, for in this he plays a Texan. Good evening, ma'am. Are you a Yank? No, ma'am, I'm a Texan. It's the same thing, isn't it? No, ma'am, you see, the United States is a country. Texas is a state of mind. We should point out that how he gets involved is that it opens with him hanging about, waiting for an actress, blonde, about five foot six, <laughs> mid-twenties, not his usual type. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, why, are you being, why are you being so fussy? Um, but they seem to have quite a deep relationship because she invites him down for the weekend and that's how they discover that her mother the church secretary has been diddled out of so many thousand pounds now i would have thought that actually the police should take the rap for this the local bobby definitely needs to go on a training course i don't think there was any official paperwork or um, id or anything like that it seems uh, that if you just rock up wearing a long coat and say, hello, I'm a police inspector, uh, you can kind of get away with it. Certainly, if you're played by Peter Dinley. Yes. Um, who for once is playing quite an engaging villain. Um, he was in The Careful Terrorist when mm. the saint tricked him into blowing himself up. And But of course, he's most recognisable as the voice of Jeff Tracy in Thunderbirds. Absolutely. Right at the end, when the saint is pulling the wool over their eyes down in the south of France, where Arnold Darman makes an uncredited appearance, uh, but the first appearance of Inspector Latignon, who's the French equivalent of Inspector Teal. Ah, right, OK. Uh, and I think he gets credited in the next episode, because he gets a much bigger part. But why he wasn't credited in this one, I'm not entirely sure. The elderly lady and i would say that she was probably a bit old to be the mother of the character played by justine lord is mary merrill two avengers points one mrs peel and one tara king eight itv plays of the week and loads of other single plays randall and hopkirk uh, ufo and plenty more justine lord people may wonder you know five foot six mid-twenties blonde have we seen her before well there are quite a lot of people who fit that description, but it'd be terrible if you were mugged by someone like that in the sixties and you gave that description to the police. They just round up half of women's equity. Yes, uh, and the thing about Justine Lord is that she's only been recently seen in the Saint Plays with Fire, but she plays smarter this time, which wasn't difficult. Uh, and she's in another five episodes elsewhere. Uh, she was in ITV Plays of the Week, The Prisoner. Six Troubleshooters, Human Jungle, Compact, and, as we've said before, the all-important Avengers point. Um, and um, with her last accredited screen um, role, um, being an episode of The Young Ones. That's well, you might as well go out with the... Um... Yeah, absolutely. Go out on a trend. All right. Uh, Louise 
Collins was in several series, including Danger Man and a frequent guest on What's My Line? You can look her up on IMDb. That's quite an interesting biography. Victor Platt, two points. May Gray, Moonstrike, loads of single plays. A staggering 196 screen credits. John Glyn Jones as the vicar uh, is one of those people that you recognise instantly if you're a fan of 60s television. He's got two points. Adam Adamant, The Troubleshooters, Free Wheelers, Emmerdale Farm, as it was then, and The Palaces. And it's 114 screen credits. Oh, um, Andre Moran, instantly recognisable stalwart, and unsurprisingly usually plays a Frenchman. Uh, yeah, um, appeared in some of the Pink Panther films. And actually is in the next episode along with Arnold Diamond. Oh, wow. Um and also, if um, uh, the eager-eyed amongst us, we've also got John Standing, who who plays a cop, but he's not really a cop at the end, as we revealed. He's just in the south of France making a film. Um, and for the very eagle-eyed, you can watch one of the first screen appearances by Ingrid Pitt. Oh, right. Did I miss her? What was she playing? She plays a lady on a beach lounger. It can only lead to greater things. Yes, absolutely. You're just a hair's breadth away. You know, we've spoken earlier in the series of seeing people such as Julie Christie, just away from uh, an Oscar, uh, and uh, Samantha Egger, just a short step away from winning the award at Cannes. Um, and in this case, Ingrid Pitt, just a few short years away from Countess Dracula. What's not to like? Just returning to Arnold Diamond, he has two points. And another 200 screen credits. That is a lot. We salute you, sir. And he appears again in The Benevolent Burglary. So we're on the French Riviera again, in the casino again, because if you're on the French Riviera, there's nothing else to do there. I've been on the, uh, uh, on the casino, and um, I love the fact that some of the supermarkets there are called Le Petit Casino. And you just go, great, I'll, I'll nip in for a baguette. Um, and a quick game of that et un. Just give us a precy of what goes on with the benevolent burglary, Dave. Right, well, I'm afraid at this point, Guy, I'm going to have to put my hands up. And listeners, I have my hands up. Um, that due to my holiday and due to not catching up um, with Talking Pictures Encore, which is a marvellous feature, by the way, uh, the only thing I know about the benevolent burglary is that it's 50 minutes long. Oh, right. I didn't see it. Uncharted waters for me. Could I make a plot up? <laughs> uh, you can do. I uh, I have seen it. Um, and so I will try and do this one solo. With uh, And feel free to interject. There is a friend of Simon Templar. All right. He's alive at the end of the episode, I hope. He does survive to the end of the episode. He is a jazz musician. Well, you say musician, but they do that old joke of he's not even a proper musician. He's a drummer. It's a version of that. What do you call somebody who hangs around with musicians? <laughs> a drummer. So this friend has fallen in love with, I think it's fair to say, I'm not quite sure she's blonde. She may be about 26. She may be about five foot six. Okay. Um, but she is the daughter of an irascible, heavy-handed multimillionaire who doesn't want his daughter to marry a ne'er-do-well uh, drummer. And 
is played by John Barry, not the composer, but the John Barry, who is Sergeant Cork. Ah, right. OK. And who we have seen before as well, I think. Yeah, well, and we'll see again where he plays a Nazi um, <laughs> on the run. Um, this might be a saint trope that basically if you've got your own cop series where you are beyond reproach, then you get to play the villain. Uh, right. Is, is that a bit? Because obviously the next one, I appreciate that Alfred Burke, um, Frank Marker himself um, is, is in it. Uh, and Frank Marker, very moral character, but he plays a nasty bit of stuff in The Wonderful War. So, yeah, maybe he's, a thread there. He certainly does. Well, actually, Alfred Burke played a lot of baddies before he got... I think we, one of the reasons why he enjoyed Public Eye so much was because he got to play someone who was on the side of the angels most of the time and a bit downtrodden mm. and, and not... Um, sneery villainous people or uh, nazis as in enemy at the door so here we have john barry being a multimillionaire puts on an art show the saint goes to visit the art show they've got previous because the saint has told john barry's character that he has no taste and the security is lousy and within the next 24 48 hours this place will be burgled now, he doesn't say that he's going to do the burgling, but of course, everyone else seems to think that it will be him. So they have a bet. So it's five grand each, which kind of totals 10 grand, I think. Right, like a big odds. And of course, John Barry's character lays on the full security detail. Arnold Darman has the saint followed. There's a lot of toing and froing. There's a bit of. Uh, star-crossed lovers who kind of fall out she wants to marry him but he's worried that he's not going to get a, another gig he's been uh, let down by a club owner who has promised him an entire season as the band in residence uh, and he's run up debts and had to pay off the people that he's, he was going to employ as his side men and it turns out that the club owner has been lent on by uh, the owner of the club building, none other than John Barry, the multimillionaire. Of course, the announcement of this bet brings every single crook on the Riviera into town. They decide to frame Simon Templar. Who do such a thing? I know, again. And somebody manages to drug the coffee of the security detail uh, at the art gallery uh, and they all fall asleep and then somebody goes in steals the valuables and then simon templar gets arrested but it all turns up in fact it's so convoluted i've kind <laughs> of lost lost the plot <laughs> oh dear but you showed the reels in the wrong order uh, almost what happens is that Everyone winds up happy. The police nab the real villains. Okay, great. Simon is able to provide the right sort of money. The brusque, heavy-handed father realises that he's been brusque and heavy-handed with his daughter and sees the error of his ways. Would you like to guess when this went out? It's, what does this sound like? You've got someone who is incredibly mean, 
has a lot of money. Ah, uh, well, shown... all right. I see it now. I think um, maybe this is a very rare um, kind of Christmas episode, maybe of the Saint. It went out on Boxing Day, nineteen sixty-three. There you go. But if you remember the charitable countess, which was also quite Dickensian and involved a lot of small waif-like children who need to be presented. Yes, in, in running around Rome, who are um, kind of given a sense of purpose and are almost like a fathery figure. That's right. So without necessarily saying this is a Christmas episode, has a kind of Dickensian Christmas theme that allows it to go out around about that time, but not be pigeonholed for uh, reruns and syndication and stuff like that. So it's quite neatly done. Oh, well done. Um, uh, incidentally, we may come across other multimillionaires who don't want their daughters to marry unsuitable suitors in future episodes. Yes, possibly, um, or drummers. Anyway, there were 66 episodes of Sergeant Cork. They're all worth watching. Um, are you listening, Talking Pictures TV? Uh, and John Barry was in 34 episodes of Z Cars and 88 of The Doctors, which ran from 1969 to 1971. Elsewhere, Gary Cockrell, his second saint, but this one ends more happily for him, because I think he was the journalist who got murdered by Peter Dinley in The Careful Terrorist. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Rachel Gurney, who it turns out was the inside woman in the heist, was 21 episodes of Upstairs, Downstairs, 58 of Compact, um, spent a lot of her substantial career playing Lady Something and wearing a period frock. <laughs> Susan Neve, who is the daughter, uh, also knows how to wear a frock. 11 episodes of the Foresight Saga, amongst other period dramas, plus UFO, where she probably was wearing something a bit more futuristic made out of string or baco foil or something, I would have thought. Isn't she um, also in um, Mosquito Squadron, I seem to remember? Was that one of the extraordinarily authentic wartime movies of the 60s where everyone sported contemporary hairstyles? Yes, very confusingly, because this wouldn't help you. It's got Dinsdale Landon in it, so so that wouldn't help. But the hero is um, uh, David McCallum. Oh, right. Uh, um, McCallum and a load of airfix kit. That's right. David McCallum in an RAF uniform, which he could use again for Colditz. <laughs> there you go. Doubling up. Raymond Adamson, four points. Moonstrike, Maygray, Randall and Hopkirk, Danger Man, Alan McClelland, two points, four Maygrays, and many others. Barry Keegan, 10 Z cars, 22 episodes of Coronation Street in the 60s. Richard Clark, one point, a long career, including Danger Man, Compact, William Tell. The Invisible Man, Andre Moran again, um, who plays a radio operator. Um, I'm not quite sure whether Andrew Moran actually gets the credit. Arnold Darman does get that credit this time. And here's to Ivor Salter, a familiar face who packed 171 credits into his 65 years. So the benevolent burglary, that might even, if I remember rightly, follow your rule of the title of the show is the last line of oh, nearly the... Oh, great. I hope it is. Templar. So you got away with it? Yes, I knew I would. Well, if it's any consolation to you, I think it was rather a benevolent burglary. We're on to our fifth 
and final episode. So we're coming up to date. The Wonderful War. Now, you'd be glad to know I did watch The Wonderful War. I watched it live as it was unspooling on um, Talking Pictures. No playback, um, nothing like that, because I, I was resting up after feeling a bit poorly for a few days. Uh, so, yeah, I was able to 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 watch this. Um, and we are in uh, one of those made-up countries, and maybe uh, that could be in our, re uh, um, our review show, kind of overview show, uh, is is to look at some of the made up country names that do appear in ITC series. Um, in this play, in this case, it's a place called Saida, uh, which borders Kuwait, uh, and much like Kuwait, uh, has um, a very strong Arabic culture to it, and also um, just very promisingly, um, a very strong oil based culture um as as well um it starts off very savagely with some some brutal killing in which the the, the lawful leader of saida played by ferdy main is is topped and killed um by the, the, the corrupt um minister who is who is taking things over um but um ferdy main's plucky son and rightful heir to the throne does manage to escape and the loyal uh, oil property developer who's also working there, is tragically shot and killed as he is saving the life of the, um, the heir, the prince. Um, this person who is killed happens to be the father of a young woman back in the, the UK. Any idea what she may look like? Guy, want to take a guess? <coughs> well, I think that she might be blonde. Mm -hmm. um, possibly around about five foot six. Yeah. But looking up her dates, she's actually an astoundingly mature 19, which well, is kind of a bit young for the saint, I would um, I would say. Well, um, the saint has to ex um, explain to her um, that who her father is in um, business with on the oil development business, which is the crooked Alfred Burke, is crooked. Uh, and so what they do is they fly out there um, to Kuwait to try and investigate what's going on. And the whole idea is they're going to stage as um, one of the guest um, stars, Noel Purcell, uh, describes it, a wonderful war um, in which it's staged as if the prince has managed to rally round um, an army. Uh, and it's, it's, I suppose, it, as happened in Czechoslovakia, um, it's a peaceful revolution, a velvet revolution. Mr. Templer, do you really think we can capture the frontier post by pretending we're an army? Your Highness, we're going to capture the entire country. Yes, they attack a border post yes. using fireworks, um, a lot of tape recorders and some loudspeakers, mm. and... Obviously, because morale is fairly low and probably the uh, border guards haven't been paid, they run away. And so it looks as if that uh, Prince Karim and his army is advancing on the capital of uh, Saida. In the meantime, the saint is playing a suave, highly arrogant oil executive, but no one recognises the uh, famous Simon Templer because he wears glasses. He wears glasses and a light-coloured suit, uh, and um, he affects, like I said, a very, very domineering 
um, and snooty atmosphere. And also, he's got a different name. I think that's what probably threw people. Um, he calls himself, comes up with the name J. Pierpoint Sykes, um, which, for those with good memories, um, sounds awfully similar to the very popular Broadway musical at the time, How Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, um, where the lead character is J. Pierpoint Finch. So maybe a little bit of a nod to that there. Um, Rog plays this role to perfection. He also manages to get involved in a sword fight um, as well as some gunplay. He's actually quite lax with his own personal security and everyone else's, it has to be said, including doing a rabble-rousing speech dressed up as the Sheikh of Araby. Yes. Uh, and and then running away and then doing a quick change and then appearing as JP Point Sykes. Obviously he gets rumbled and gets thrown into jail with some ne'er do well people, but then he manages to trick the uh guard. You mean who, the world's most stupid jailer? Yes, who I can't work out who was playing him. He had lines. So <laughs> Yes. Uh, I found it a bit difficult to uh, to track down who was playing the jailer. Uh, anyway, he does that, then locks the guard in with his erstwhile prisoners. That doesn't look like it's going to end well for me. No. <laughs> I think they may extract some rough justice. Yes, you, you really don't want to know about that. And then there are kind of more punch-ups and uh, Prince Kareem appears on the balcony and everyone sort of does the whole Lawrence of Arabia thing. Um, oh, uh, you'll be glad to know that the jailer, uh, the one you were uh, um, uh, uh, a little bit confused by, is played by Frank Oligario. You will be very, very pleased to know that Frank does rack up some Avengers points for playing Blomberg in Immortal Clay. Oh, of course, yes. The, the, that's, that's the one about the... the the unbreakable ceramic, which actually turns out to be melanin. Um, and we have seen um, in previously in a couple of episodes of Saint in the Pearls of Peace as a bartender and in Teresa as Padron. Oh, sorry. Well, he was a bartender before. Actually, this is a change of direction for him. Yeah, career move, possibly. Don't know. Yes, I wonder why they didn't credit him. So let's kind of run through Rene Houston who has played yes, this... a very unexpected um, female guest star in The Saints, I would say. The two Saints, Omega Gray, and on the big screen, Polanski's Repulsion and Carry On At Your Convenience. Now, I must point out that Roman Polanski did not direct Carry On At Your Convenience. <laughs> um, but I would say a Rennie Houston retrospective um, at your local cinema would provide a diverse range of entertainment. It certainly would, looking at her IMDb catalogue. Um, Noel Purcell... Who was born with that huge beard. I'm sure he was. <laughs> he has one point in A Surfeit of H2O, where he's the man building the ark. That will be explained at some point. But a stalwart of British television, uh, this is the first of two saints, where he basically plays the same role as a minder of someone who's at risk. Ah, oh, right, OK. In 1956, he was in The Buccaneers and in The Adventures of Sir Lancelot episode, The Pirates. So there might be a theme going on there. Alfred Burke, up to no good again. Of course, he has three Avengers points. It's his second and last saint, and, of course, he's best known for Public Eye. Two Third Mans, Human Jungle, May Grey, and later Enemy at the Door, a star. 
um, Alec Mango. Now, we've covered this sort of thing before, but Alec, Alec Mango was born in Paddington and he played Abdul Aziz. Um, he's got two points and in those and the three saints, he played foreigners. Uh, and he was obviously hired because like so many actors in this episode, he'd played Arabs before, e.g. the Caliph in the seventh voyage of Sinbad or an international detective, or Crane, and countless Mediterranean types. So it seems to me that once you've actually played someone from the Middle East or from Latin America... You're in. ...or Sorted. the Mediterranean, then you're going to keep getting booked. So Patrick Westwood, who's got one point, he was born in the West Midlands. He also played a lot of people from the subtropics, twice in The Saint and twice in The Troubleshooters, and in 21 episodes of The Tales of Rudyard Kipling. Oh, right. That sounds like slam-bang fun. Yes, well... Unless it's just about him typesetting when he's writing for a paper in India. No, he plays someone with an Indian name. Once again, we're covering the point that there were obviously people of the right kind of background and training and experience who could have played these things and didn't. And what you have to do is put a positive spin on it and say, this is like Panto. Uh, one of the big ones there, uh, only in a minor role, um, is David Graham. David Graham um, is given some expositionary lines um, to say, um, but David Graham we might be more familiar with as many of the voices on Thunderbirds. Um, and David Graham is still going strong playing Grandpa Pig in the hugely popular Pepper Pig series. He's about 97, isn't he? He is. You'll have to saw him in half and count the rings like a tree. I, as far as the Jerry Anderson stuff, in, he's been going since Four Feather Falls. <laughs> um, it's absolutely astonishing, his credits. Yes, um, still going, because obviously he did the new Thunderbird series as well. He was in Moomin, which we played Snork. Um, he's got 133 credits, one of which is an Avengers point. Ah, oh, there you go. Now, John Bennett is someone who's got an immediately recognisable face. He's got sort of hooded eyes. Hooded eyes, eyes plays, always usually plays villains, slick back, black hair. Um, he plays the villain who is, is for most of the time, mute um, in uh, Give My Regards to Broad Street, the, the huge 1980s uh, Paul McCartney musical. Oh, yes, that um, roller coaster of a success. Mm. Yes, he's a pillar of TV. He has two points, four saints, 21 episodes of front page story, which sounds an awful lot like Berlin does to me. It must be about a newspaper. I think so. Um, he was Philip Bassini in the Foresight Saga, and that's quite a big part. Um, I think he might have worn a wig for that, because I remember... Uh, <laughs> Bassini had very elaborate sort of, they looked like grey hair, rather Mr. Whippy, in fact. Uh, he played Lee Houston Chang 
in Doctor Who's Talons of Wen Chang. Talons of Wen Chang, yes. Is that the one with the big rat? It wasn't a CGI rat. It was somebody in a rat costume, but nonetheless scary for that. Yes, John Bennett, 176 credits. Uh, Ferdy Main, we've covered before. One and a half Avengers points and four Saints and nearly everything else. And because he was German, naturally, he gets to play the imam who's assassinated. Um, yeah, and would have appeared opposite um, Darren Nesbitt in uh, Where Eagles Dare. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's a very small world. <laughs> Go figure. Louis Rayner played Abdul in Crane, I think it is. And those are his me- credits, aren't they? Yeah, there's very few credits. But uh, having played Abdul in Crane, which of course meant he gets to play Prince Kareem. In his other saint, Simon Templer engineers a bloodless coup by using a radio broadcast, a bit like the battle here. Ooh. It's, you know, just kind of wondering whether there was kind of a, a bit of synergy or whatever it is. I think that's another incident where the saint comes to the rescue of a woman who may be in her mid-twenties, about five foot six. I can't quite remember whether she's blonde, but it's a colour episode. Uh, Jack Lambert, one point. Castle Death, uh, a long career with 133 credits. Susanna Lee, she's a very mature 19 in this saint. Uh, obviously brings... Hammer Glamour, because she appears in one of my favourite Hammer films, The Lost Continent. Oh, right. Okay. With killer seaweed, conquistadors and sea monsters. Oh, that's the, where they go through the Sargasso Sea and it, it attacks them. Having been in this saint, she's about to play opposite Elvis in Paradise Hawaiian style. There you go. That's a step up. It certainly is. And uh, every young girl's dream, I would have thought. Um, And finally, here's a shout out to Ishak Bucks, who was born in Kampur in India and had a long career, including Raiders of the Lost Ark, Octopussy and different roles in it. Ain't Our Fat Mom. Uh, But he goes uncredited here. Couple of things I did pick up on in the uh, um, in the episode in terms of the um, terms of the script, uh, it appears that the worst thing in Arabic nations that you can call another person is a dog. This seems to be a insult which is bandied around an awful lot by a lot of the characters. Uh, people were being referred to as worthless dog, or worse still, the son of a worthless dog. Uh, so it, apparently, it's the worst thing you can call anyone. Um, All right. The thing which I love, which is alluded to um, by Noel Purcell, who has met Simon before, um, because as Noel says, um, Simon, it's great to see you again. When was the last time we were together? Oh, wait a minute. It must have been Venezuela in 56. And we've already seen an episode where it's alluded uh, that maybe the saint was involved in the resistance during World War II possibly at about the age of nine. Uh, so maybe there's there's room and scope for the saint in the early years? Yes, rather than Return of the Saint. Yeah, what um, was he doing it, in Venezuela in 56? What role did he actually fulfil? And how old was he? I mean, Venezuela, uh, it's another oil-producing yeah. nation. Yeah. Um, well, he was probably just passing through. because He's an old friend who worked in a circus. Um, yes, or was a journalist who was about to do a huge expose of corruption. To be fair, the wonderful war, Simon Templer does go with the girl to Kuwait because he actually has a proper reason. He's not going fishing 
or just happened to yeah. bump into somebody. The car's broken down. Oh, I've got a mystery to solve. But as I said, he's extraordinarily careless. He has a vague plan. Uh, he doesn't really seem to have sorted out the details. Rather like the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Yeah, not thought it through. Yes, that's the wonderful war. What do we do next, Dave? Uh, next is uh, an episode called The Noble Sportsman. Again, um, another episode helmed by the marvellously professional Peter Yates. Uh, and we've, ooh, we've got a stellar cast in this. Uh, we've got Sylvia Sims. We've got Anthony Quayle, or Sir Anthony Quayle, um, who obviously just a few years away um, from Strange Report. Uh, and we've also got Francis Matthews and the lovely, but obviously doubt whether she's going to be playing a blonde because we all know she's a ginger, the lovely Jane Asher. It's black and white, so she might look blonde. Yeah, could do. Could do. Or she's wearing a wig. We'll look forward to that one. And hopefully we won't get quite so far behind. Won't get so far behind. And I won't commit the cardinal sin of not playing catch up on uh, um, TPTV Encore. Um, Because I didn't realise it's only there for a week, isn't it? That's right. So these Saint episodes do get repeated, I believe, on Thursdays. So I'm going to put you in detention and make you watch... Oh, no. ...a benevolent burglary, so that you're fully appraised, and we might return to it later on. I'm I'm still waiting to see TPTV Encore. Some films they have on, and some films they don't. There is now a growing list of films that they've shown, but they've not had available on there. So I would like to see Die, Die, My Darling, a.k.a. Fanatic, which is our chum Clive Dawson's favourite Hammer horror film. Um, Black Sunday, the 1977 action-packed um, suspense thriller set around a potential blimp attack on the Super Bowl. And uh, 1979's very creepy vampire-backed eco-thriller, Nightwing. Mm. Um, there are other channels available. There are, yes, pictures, other channels TV. are available. Yes, we should remind should yeah. people of that. And colour episodes of The Saint are they're on pause at the moment on ITV4, but of course the ITV hub, which is being remodelled, I think is ITVX or something. Mm. Uh, you can watch pretty much all of the colour episodes. Uh, if you uh, sign up for that, there's a channel called Great TV. Which oh, I, think is on... I might have to retune. I get great movies. Um, right. I think maybe um, possibility to push through um, the Trade Descriptions Act on them um, with some of the stuff that they show. But no, I've not seen Great TV. I think it's on Freeview 50, and they've been showing. Ramsden Hopkirk. So I sometimes see them, the Persuaders crop up as well. Obviously. Yeah. Also on some channel, we came across Knight Rider. Oh, right. Yes, that's on Legend at the moment. Yes. And uh, I was surprised, actually, that it's 1980s rather than 1970s. And so I'm thinking, well, David Hasselhoff, actually, is quite good in this. But then I looked at everyone else. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. And you sort of think, hmm, I don't think they're really trying that much. So the car's the star. Car's the star, and William Daniels as the car, or as the voice of the car. That is way outside the uh, golden age of of rose-tinted black-and-white television. 
You've been listening to The Review Show, where we have covered five black and white episodes of The Saint, uh, which have been on Talking Pictures uh, TV. We will try not to get uh, so behind next time. I'm Guy Morgan. The resident expert is David Newell. Hello. Goodbye. And you'll be able to track us down on our SoundCloud channel, which carries our entire archive. Buzzsprout have been throwing stuff off like there's no tomorrow. Uh, We will be trying to do a showcase edition where we will be setting out the rules for Saint Trope Bingo. Mm. We've alluded to some of that. There is an entire set which will cover an entire fictitious episode. So... Thank you very much for listening to the review show of Rose Tinted Black and White Television, and you'll be hearing from us whether you like it or not soon.